0: Hello, I am Griselda Togobo and you are listening to In Conversation With. This is a Forward Ladies podcast where inspirational female leaders share practical and simple strategies to help you win in the world of work. So thank you all for joining us today. Um, My name is Griselda Togobo, and today I'll be in conversation with the very wonderful Sharon Watson. Now, I met Sharon a few years ago, and she's one of the few people that continues to inspire me. Um, And I thought I would share her with you, um, so you can also be just as inspired as I, I have been over the years. So a recording of this conversation will be on our youtube channel at forwardladies.com um, so if you go to our youtube channel i think it's youtube forward ladies you can subscribe to receive notifications when this is um published on our on our channel we are also very active on social media so you find us at, on for, on twitter facebook and instagram And we're also going to be putting a recording of this on uh, in podcast, so you can find it in iTunes and on Spotify and anywhere else that you like to access your audio. So thank you all so much for joining us. So Sharon, thank you. Hi. Um, Hello everybody. (laughs) Yes. so Sharon wears many, many hats and I have, we've been in rooms where we've been the only two women, the only two black women. And I was um, also at a Leeds Beckett University event recently when Sharon was given her honorary doctorate. And and recently she's also been made a a deputy lieutenant. Um, So she wears many, many hats, (laughs) as well as being a very creative woman, a mom and a wife and all that. So Sharon, just tell us a, a little about what you're currently doing, the many hats you wear.
1: Wow. (laughs) Thank you, Griselda. And hello, everyone from all over East London, Bristol, Wakefield, Leeds, Cheshire. Nice that you're in the room today. Thank you very much for coming in to listen to to this conversation. Um, So, yes, I do wear many hats and all of them I'm incredibly proud of because I think they've been some awarded, some of them I, you know, grafted in very different ways to actually to take ownership of those. And, and believe me, I do, Griselda, I really do take ownership and feel very, very honored to have them as part of who I am and a part of, of, of the journey that I've been on. Um, and I wear them with pride because I think it does tell you that there is, um, as much as the ones that you decide to go for yourself in terms of being able to, to work through a master's or be able to kind of work through some a form of leadership, there are others where they are they are awarded to you because of the work that you're doing because people on the outside are paying attention to the to the challenges are paying attention to the to the bravery and to the integrity that you can you put out into the into the wider world and for those i have to say i'm eternally grateful because you're not always sure who's watching and for what reasons so I am. Um, I do take great pride in, in receiving those and understanding that actually there's impact happening somewhere.
0: Brilliant. So I, you and I are based in Yorkshire, and um, knowing the demographic, um, the demographic um, of Black people in Yorkshire, there aren't a lot of Black women um, or Black families. Yet, not only did you grow up in Yorkshire, but you went into a sector that was not really seen a lot of diversity at, at the time that you did so how did a girl from you know not yorkshire become um a contemporary world-renowned dancer how did that happen
1: interestingly it happened because this if, if you know anything of Leeds, then you'll be aware that actually the school hairls middle school it was there's primary middle and, and high school and the system is now different of course but the middle school was from 9 to 13 and um it was a school that was built in an inner city it was you know a concrete playgrounds um it had uh you know i think i'm not sure actually what the the numbers of the school maybe what's that that 900 maybe up to 250 300 uh pupils at the school so Relatively small and say contained, but it was it was the insight and the foresight of a, a PE teacher that decided to put dance on the curriculum. The school itself was mixed up was very very uh, diverse in terms of race and cultural nationalities, and um, so it was a it was a way of making sure that we we all felt connected. Um, if, if English wasn't our first language, then we all had you know, the majority of people, I would say, were able to be in a classroom where movement became the the language, uh, a a common language that we all understood. And I took the lesson. My sister who's two and a half years older than I am, went to the school and came home and she kept on showing me all these moves and I was really inspired by it. Um, And I had to wait two and a half years to get to the school. I was like, whoa, this is this is going to take me forever. I went at nine had my first dance lesson and i came home and told my parents i said at 16 i'm going to london to be a professional dancer because i don't know it was just a gift of a lifetime to be able to do that and that's i kind of more or less committed my my youth to being that person to being that dancer to try and understand what it is i think i was probably one of only students of its time to go and do a work placement as a student and i had to fight with my high school uh, to say you know i i want to go and see if i can instead of going to the dentistry or going to to a banking firm i want to go and see if i want to be a student for two for three weeks and my tutors at school just said well that's madness you don't go to work experience to find out if you're going to be a student and i remember saying this to my dance teacher and she just says well no you don't but that's what you're going to do <laughs> and i went i went at 15 years old to london spent three weeks figuring out if that's what I wanted to become and it was a no-brainer for me. It was the most enlightening time for me to know that actually this is a possibility for someone from inner city Leeds, one of of eight children who, you know, not to, my family are not artistic in that sense. They have a lot of other things but not in that way. So it was purely accidental I think and a blessing in disguise.
0: Yeah, because I, I grew up in an environment where you know you appreciate music and dance but you don't respect dancers. it's not seen as a career that pays off so parents are constantly trying to steer their kids off of the creative path so when i met you i had no appreciation of the arts you know i watched the movies and i listened to music but i had no appreciation of the arts until i attended your shows. And I thought, Oh, my God, you know, art is so powerful, you can use it to educate to tell stories, you can use it to inspire. And it's just an expression that I hadn't really considered before. And then for you to be the leader that you are using that space to really, really push for change. um, Mm. in a lot of different areas, I found that really inspiring. So so tell me, when did you decide that? Yes, I'm a dancer, but I can do other things as well. I can lead and I, I can step into that role.
1: It really happened very early on. I think the strength of the art form enabled me to, to understand very quickly that there were, there were several um, several roles that this that contemporary dance could play. And the fact that actually we needed no words to communicate was the, one of the strongest. And i think we could connect with people emotionally we had the physicality we had the beauty of our narratives and our stories and i think growing up there was always that opportunity to add my voice to a discussion to add my voice to a, a as a critical um friend to be able to kind of unpick what it is that we were have what was happening what we were exploring um and that's never left me i and i would say as far back as being nine years old i mean of course you do it very tentatively at that young age but as you get older and you're listening to the narrative around people talking about you as opposed to you talking about yourself you begin to question actually what it is that they're seeing And so you add your voice to that dialogue, you add your voice to the perspective, and to some degree, the perspective was really quite challenging. It was wrong at very occasions. A lot of times um, it was often very derogatory in terms of what I think that the the kind of the, the understanding of who we are as people as artists was we were kind of being pigeonholed, and I felt that that wasn't where we were we were much better than that and we were equal to anyone and that's really what I genuinely believed and I think because that was embedded in me that I could do this and I could be as equal to anyone else that was my driving force that I would tell people I would show people and I would action that and I think that's really lived with me through in terms of it's just become part of my DNA to kind of level the playing field in that way.
0: Yeah, because when I listen to you, I mean, interviews you've done and my own personal interaction with you, you're very, you have a very strong voice and um, you lead from a place of value and authenticity. And I know that's not always easy to do, particularly when you're breaking new barriers like you have been like you're the first woman sat in this group, you're the first black female to lead this um, organization. How do you First of all, how did you find your voice, how did you become so confident in using that voice, and how have you kept that up, because it's not easy being the fearless courageous outspoken woman on a daily basis.
1: There's a there's a human behind it all who has all the emotions that I believe everybody else has, and I think that to some degree, there is a real sense that i'm I felt i've always felt that i'm I'm worth it. Um, to take a cliche, I've always understood that dance as a form can change lives because mine was one of those. It was exemplary in what I did. Um, and I also felt that because we have a very westernized view of what contemporary dance is and who is it for, yes. it, almost, it almost made the argument, the debate, much more rich in terms of saying, well, I've, I've broken the mold, but you have to see me. And if you can't see me, then maybe you you can listen to me. And if you're not listening to me, then I'll show you exactly how it can be. So by becoming the artistic director of a company that I danced with and managed to be the wingwoman for for many years, I felt that I could contribute. I felt that, you know, there were areas in my learning that I needed to, to kind of address, but I, I genuinely believed that I had the tools and I just needed to deploy them in a way that was going to be um, uh, powerful and impactful. Um, and there is, along the way, you do question yourself, there's no, no doubt about it. You absolutely have the iceberg effect of whether or not you're actually doing the right thing and whether you're going to be taken seriously. But along the journey, along the way, you find people that I think has, has kind of just reiterated what your beliefs are. Or even if, you, if you're not sure, there is that voice that just says, and, and at what point do you not think you're worth it? At what point do you not think you have the, you have the, the ability to take this further? And actually what you've done when you have things reflected back to you is go okay you almost did it without even knowing you've done it sometimes and that having that reflected back at you goes wow so I, I managed to get through that I'm not a fraud I can make this work and I can step into these spaces that will enable impacts and change to actually uh, begin to happen and these things are very slow in their process but I think they definitely that's where I believe the authenticity sits within myself, because having lived it, I genuinely and honestly believe that when I see it, I'm able to really draw it out or I'm able to really present it in a way that does enable others to t- kind of take that journey forward. So not a lot of this is all done on my own. That's that's definitely the case. There are people out there that I, I call upon and people that do help me to kind of think rational, to rationalize my thinking, but the power of, of kind of the conviction of, of, of the belief that I have yeah i go to bed sometimes just thinking about it knowing i've got to i've got to make that impact i've got to make that happen that change happen um and and take the consequences as a result
0: yeah so so before we were talking about the leaders who inspired us and in the same vein we were talking about the leaders who well they inspired us because we knew absolutely that we did not want to be like them so can you share someone who's really (laughs) on your
1: journey my biggest influence i mean my biggest influence in terms of my career has been a woman who passed three years ago now her name's nadine senior i mentioned her earlier she's a pe teacher and she saw the beauty of dance as a form that could help young people express themselves she's always been in the background in fact very much in as a driver to be fair and not everybody liked her not everybody she wasn't she wasn't there for favoritism she was there because she felt that she could make change and as an example it was a case of she's very direct in terms of her communication um she's very social she managed to to i wouldn't say single-handedly but 44 of her students became professional dancers from an inner city school now you don't get those kind of results unless you've got some tenacity about you and then she went on to build the Northern School of Contemporary Dance, for which I'm now the CEO and principal, and and I've I've watched her over the years. The school is 36 years old, and the success of that school has really been built on strong foundations in the heart of Chapel Town, understanding its location and the importance of it, and then obviously looking at some of the artists that she's actually supported through the throughout the, her years, me being one of them. Understanding that person has been really helpful to me. Um, and like I said, not everybody liked her decisions, but her decisions were not about the likeable approach to what she wanted to change. Because when you step into those political spaces, you are not necessarily going to be liked because it actually sometimes it involves change. It involves money, it involves principles, it involves the things that people perhaps are not comfortable with. So to respect that and understand how she's making that work, then I take that on board and I have to reflect in the way that I operate. And before she passed, it was one of the things I said to her that I, I wanted to develop the, the school aspect, the educational part of the of, uh, Phoenix Dance Theatre. And she yes. just said to me, literally, so what are you waiting for? I had no answers. I literally had no answer. What are you waiting for? So yeah. you, you understand that, actually, you can't stand still. And, you know, when you hear those voices and you hear the people that say, actually, Sharon, just go and do it. Is exactly the same advice I give to others if you don't push that door you're not going to find out what's on the other side you will only get what you've always got so. that's really a way that's something that I, I, I use to help me make decisions at times and to deal with whatever it is that I find on the other side of that door.
0: wow so so trying to create change and impact is actually very difficult because you're trying to change the status quo, you're trying to change hats and mind and you're trying to break stereotype because people like you know, the status quo as it is. Life is good for some people with um, the status quo being maintained as it is. So anytime you're trying to change things, you raffle a lot of feathers. <laughs> so how have you been managing that? Um, from what you've said, I know you don't mind not being liked, and I think that's a message we can all take away. Um, but how have you been managing that, the, 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 the pushback that comes from trying to make an impact?
1: It's um, I'm, I'm smiling about it because I think it's um, it, it's very casual. Yeah, not to be liked is something that's kind of interesting, but not to be liked for certain things I think is more important. If people just say they don't like me just because of they know nothing about me, then that's not really that's not necessarily the best thing. But if they say to me that they don't like me because I'm actually very pushy or the fact that I can make something a, a space feel uncomfortable because of what I what I'm standing for, I'll live with that twenty four seven. I will live with the fact that actually we enter these spaces of challenge. And as a lived experience, I often bring that into the space with me because it's the truth that I can speak and I can speak to the truth to enable me to know that the authenticity of my voice is what the argument is about. The authenticity of a situation and the people enables me to say, well, actually, the reality is this, it lives and it looks like this. The fact that there's pigmentation in me is also sometimes a challenge where people think, well, actually, I have no right or I haven't, I'm not positioned or I'm not educated enough to be able to, to be in those spaces or to, to voice that opinion. And I think that's a very, that sometimes when change happens, that's the first thing that someone will jump onto is the fact that actually there's a black woman wanting to make change, who does she think she is? Actually, it's a black woman who's talking from experience and lived experience and understanding that this change has to happen in order for something to be leveled and for other people to actually experience a positive uh, opportunity. So there are different ways in which I think not being liked is embraced. Um, And you know those spaces that we enter we live them day to day we absolutely live them on a day to day basis every boardroom I enter. You kind of have to judge that before you get there every building I approach, I have to think about it, what am I going to encounter when I get through those doors. So the preparation before you enter a room becomes the thinking and once you're in there, you just have to go with your conviction.
0: yeah yeah fantastic so one of the things i also admire about you is your um, your work ethic and I, I i don't mean 9 to 5 just slogging, i know you're the kind of person that shuts out all distractions when you have a mission i've seen that and when you're when you when you're in the zone nothing distracts you and and you know the season we are living in now we have some of us have a bit more time some don't but it's actually a very difficult season for to do deep meaningful work so just tell me about your routine how do you manage to be so focused and to cut out all distractions when you're deep in work
1: you know it's managing a company for 11 years has been quite a learning journey and now i have 250 students that I tell on a regular basis that the world will get better. The world that you, I, that we are supporting you to to enter as an artist is going to get better against COVID. And your work ethic, what you think and what you do now, becomes your mantra. And therefore, you have to consider what it is that you want to take forward in your life. For me, that work ethic is absolutely about the change and the results. And I know that you can be the 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 conversation and the white noise that's around you can absolutely be distracting. And therefore, there is something to be said about understanding your purpose and definitely identifying your mission. And those two things helps you to kind of keep going. And also bringing into the conversation others who can help to keep you on that narrative and can help you keep you on that in your lane because it is easy to get distracted and to, to spread yourself incredibly thin and not not enable yourself to get the job done and to get it done well. So that kind of focusing in and locking down on a a direction of travel, um, understanding who it is that you're bringing into your space and for what purpose becomes part of that that strategy. And I don't know if we do enough of that, to be honest. And uh, I literally last night, I I have a a session that I mentor a young artist that she's she's actually heading to the chief exec position. Um, in, a, in a job in America and we speak, we, we do a mentoring session regularly and I'm just listening to her talking about the many different areas that she's pulled into and I said you're not going to survive if you carry on doing that and I think this is the this is the area that the advice that's been given to me about narrowing down the kind of the focus so you can really deliver and I, I heard myself saying that to her yesterday and I thought, wow, I remember somebody saying that to me at one point and understanding why I'm doing that. Not that I'm shutting everybody else out, but I'm absolutely yeah. clear about actually these are the key areas that I've got to get done. And however I do that has got to be done well, because it's about the sustainability of that one action. And then I can I can move on from that once I know that it's embedded well. But if you don't start there, then the end results doesn't always re- give you the reward. So yeah that white noise will never go away and I think as we're getting further and further into into this kind of COVID situation into Black Lives Matter into the industry shutting down into brexit we have got all of those areas to understand and manage and we need to manage it well otherwise we're going to lose a lot of people that are of value to us
0: yeah so so tell me in practice what does that look like what do you do when you wake up and you have a project how are you structuring your day what's your routine like
1: (laughs) I don't have, I don't have a day that looks like any other and I thought that might change with the new role, but actually even six months in now I find that I am, um, I needing to well actually I am still understanding the areas of work that I'm deployed to, to deliver on. But I think one of the things that I hold on to is, is a, a strength of knowing that actually, my knowledge, really t- tapping into my knowledge base to be able to say, um actually these actions are what needs to happen today and these are the people i need to talk to now you know having i've got a bigger team which means that i can get more done um and whether that's good or bad in some eyes it just means that i'm not holding everything on my own understanding how i can deploy information and how i can request information is also part of that strategy so you know you kind of I don't make lists every day. In fact, sometimes at the end of the day is when I make my list and I look at what I have done as opposed to what I set out to do, which is a very back to front way of making things happen. But it works for me. And, um, you know, I'm kind of feet of foot as well when I'm able to kind of bounce from one thing to the other. But I, I have to trust other people to be on my side and understand what it is. So communication is vital. Bringing people into my thinking becomes vital and actually inspiring others to take on that that role as part of who i who i am and part of who uh, the vision that i've set it becomes key because actually if they're inspired they're going to bring you what you've asked for and some and i i can work with that i work very well with that that's like food
0: fantastic so i think that's very interesting because a lot of us start with our list whereas you and you they were, what have I done? Which is quite an interesting way to look at it. But that also goes to show that there isn't one way of being successful. I think sometimes we get caught up in somebody's approach that worked for them. and um, but that approach might not necessarily work for you because you're different. your fingerprints are different, your DNA is different, and the challenges that you're going to face will be different. So it's really great to hear that perspective because it's completely contrarian and to what you hear other people say so one of the things we've been talking about throughout COVID is that the industries have been disrupted people are having to pivot you know we've gone from offline to online and I know the art industry um, has been significantly impacted yet we still love our Netflix shows and we want to watch things that will take our minds off you know what we are feeling in the moment so how have you um, and pivoted what you're doing now um, and how are you driving your team to stay on that on that journey with you?
1: Yeah, my team are great, I have to say it. Um, but also the fact that actually I guess it helps if they if they believe in the vision. Um, and therefore it helps to keep things ticking over. So the communication I have with my team on a regular basis is that, you know, like I say, we have a responsibility. The sector is treating us so badly right now in terms of the creative arts and uh and the dance industry. It's a life form, it's the connectivity, it's the emotion, it's all of those things that we know. I actually think has kept us going through COVID. And yes. yet it's the one thing that's not been invested in by our government. So yeah, that's kind of my political fight where I step into those spaces and, and I'm now beginning to kind of let my voice be heard in those areas. But also the students that I work with, I feel that it's um being able to give them the space. So we've gone through, through extreme lengths to make sure that our school stays open, that our classes are done physically and that we've had live performances. The quality hasn't been compromised because we work them just as hard if not harder because you lose a lot behind the lens and so to make sure that we absolutely keep our standards we're a school of international status and that for me isn't compromising i can't compromise that that's what we've worked for for the last 36 years and in fact before 36 years because it was an idea in nadine's mind way before she was ever able to actually present the school as a a reality so we know that our international recognition is important to keep our status, and actually the ambition for our young people to know that you know we started here in a, in a local area in Leeds. You're respected by your, your the local the locality, the people. You know nationally we are a, a gem in the crown jewels. Of course, what the of, of the government's statement, we are one of those jewels. But actually the fact that our international reach just means that we become a destination for talent and quality, and I I'm very proud of that. But I want our students to feel that too. So we have pulled the stops out to be sure that everyone, including our teachers, the staff that deliver, are taken care of and looked after. And that's not just also saying that they do what they normally do because they're doing this against the backdrop of COVID. So who do they talk to? How do they communicate with me? How do they find the strength to make sure that they're not on their knees by the end of the season? Um, And these conversations continue to happen behind Zoom, in my office. Um, social distance but we've, we've pulled out the stops to be sure that actually we keep hold of everyone and when you are feeling in those spaces where you are challenged then let's talk about it let's not put it into a corner and, and dance it out let's talk about it because it, it has a knock-on effect and quite frankly i'm hoping that every single one of our students has felt the impact of our honesty and our integrity around what we're doing
0: fantastic that's really really so in- inspiring to hear now i have been asking all the questions and i know some of you would be dying to ask sharon some questions yourself um so if you have any questions for sharon at all you can just type them into the chat box and i will um take a few of them and read them out um just so i'm not hogging the session with her i'm actually doing this on my phone so please bear with me if I'm a bit slow in picking up your questions. And um, so I think there's uh, is there a statement here from Eileen, um, is the school involved in any outreach programs during the pandemic? Um, I know North, uh, Opera North has done a lot of work in the community.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, not only do we continue to deliver our online classes to our, our younger age, that's from three up, we have the elders as well that we work with and that's right through to the the Leeds Black Elders of 60 70 80 um, but our, all, all of our education has either gone online and a good majority of it still happens in the school so we've managed to continue with our cats which is the center for advanced training Um we have them in the building and that's an intensive gifted and talented course that we deliver to our to our young 13 to 17 year olds we've managed to continue doing that what we have also done is just deployed our skills with our freelancers to be able to make sure that they continue to be able to operate so they come into the space those of them that have, have tried to have got work on We've supported them. The things that happen that are very subtle behind the scenes. So although the school, in fact, should be on occasions is extended its day from 8 to 8, We found space to be able to say, well, as a freelancer, as a company, why don't you come in and use this weekend space here? You know, social distance, you'll be able to continue. We've managed to support our freelancers, those that we've promised um, activity to that haven't been able to deliver. Financial support has been crucial around about this time. So committing to what we already said, even though the product hasn't kind of resulted, we've continued Mm -hmm. to deliver that. Just being able to open my my computer and have Zoom conversations with those that have no idea where they are. Those are areas as well that we've supported. So we we've deployed our, our support in many many different ways. We've joined up with a, a groceries to be able to deliver food packages for our students. Um, and if they've been if they've been at self isolating, we get them food delivered. If they're having challenges with their with their IT services, we provide them with support. So we're not just looking at the dance activity. We're also looking at the wider picture of how we can support them if they're actually stuck in their homes. Um, and yeah, that's, that's the community that we live in within the school.
0: Fantastic. Wow. I think we don't have an idea of visibility of the, the, the extent that people are going to support the community and because we are all in our bubbles, you see, um, and it's really great to hear all that you're doing, including delivering food to young people. I think that's really incredible. There's a question here from, um, from Mandy. Do you have any advice for community dance projects or artists?,
1: Monday, I don't if you can hear me. It'd be interesting just to break that down a little bit more in terms of um, advice for projects, if you're thinking about, initiating projects, then yes, I've got lots of those and artists, if you need a list of artists that you think would work with. I don't know if it's your community or just the, the kind of the question. If you could dissect it a little bit more for me, I could absolutely help you with that. But in terms of thinking about thinking differently about how we support our communities, then sometimes we we don't often see how we can be in as part of that community to understand better what their needs are. So, you know, we have a building and actually our building can be redeployed to do other things for our community. We have spaces that perhaps aren't being occupied in a certain way. And I know it's very difficult to say to the bigger organisations that are out there, then open your doors and and it can be done like this, it can be done like that. actually that's kind of what needs to happen right now we need to forget about the bigger things that we can't put on 50 60 70 performers at at once at one stage so let's see what it is that our locality can do and our communities can do maybe it just becomes a reading session a space where you can have social distance reading because being together is is the important part of that and actually Mm -hmm. to open a theater where you have the seating where you've got um social distance uh, already in place just helps to break down some of the isolation so we do need to think differently and we can think differently and it's not even about being brave it's just getting on and doing it
0: yeah i think mandy is saying that um she's been delivering dance for adults with mental health issues and learning disabilities and everything's been put on hold in 2020 um and she's wondering how she can restart
1: you know mandy um by all means connect with me afterwards i can probably give you quite a lot of information around that um i'd need to understand better about your community and what it is i mean the the whole thing around learning disabilities it's understanding what what physical disabilities learning disabilities the different areas that we could deploy some support for you we have students that are absolutely ready for that kind of work to be able to bring that into a space and our building where are you does it say what what where yours but well, even if you're not in Leeds just where are the areas within your locality that can give you the support around creativity around movement around thinking you know digitally just all of the other areas that i think can be brought into a situation and sometimes the people that hold on to those spaces or those those communities are probably so worn out they're not thinking creatively about how they can take things forward so it would be it would be a pleasure to interject a different way of thinking to support what it is that you're trying to achieve
0: So I have a question leading up from that, Sharon. So you've talked about um, people being worn out and not having an idea of what to do. And I know, I mean, I came and watched your Windrush show and I left and I I felt like, oh, my God, that that is a show that everybody needs to watch. And because you can talk about things, but until you see it expressed in the way that you did that show you don't get that emotional connection to the issue and and i know to put on that show must have been very difficult from the idea from the funding from pulling the team together to exhibiting it and i know you achieved great success with that because then you then went on a tour uh, an international tour with it and you were on the bbc and all that so that's fantastic achievement can you talk me through that stage where you decided right this is a story that needs to be told in this way and I'm going to lead it and how you came about some of the fantastic scenes that we saw on that show and if you haven't seen it you please tell us where people can go and watch that show as well
1: I'm so glad you mentioned Windrush because I think it is one of my proudest moments um yes. in terms of creativity it was the timing was impeccable and I don't know if Had I been so conscious of it, I don't know if I would have planned it any better myself. Um, The fact that actually I knew we were coming up to 2018, which was the anniversary, the 70th anniversary of the Windrush generation. My parents had actually not long been speaking to my family and my brother, um, he five members of my family were born in the Caribbean and three of us here and it was my number five in the family who was the last one to arrive here we were just talking about his passport prior to this in 2017 about the fact that actually he's no longer a citizen even though he came across on his mother's um, passport and and various other conversations that were taking place and it was it was the moment i think where it's like well actually we need to do this we need to talk this we need to make this into a show that actually has people understanding much clearer about the challenges well 2018 and I started making the show and I think the world was turning on its head at that moment in time with the kind of hostility that was going on my mother was part of a very big um, part of the the narrative it was based on her story and and what was what was really interesting was the resistance from others that said you know oh this didn't really happen this is not this isn't true this isn't a true story surely your mother didn't leave your your your, your young child in 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 Jamaica and then come here, everything to, to deflect from the reality and within the piece itself, there is a moment where I absolutely, and it was, I went to bed. This is this is kind of the, the sort of strategies I have. I went to bed and I dreamt the section. I literally dreamt wow. it that night. And I woke up the next morning and walked into the studio and produced it. And the clarity of thinking around that was quite incredible because it was the moment where I realized that within the narrative, I had to talk about the no dogs, the no blacks, the no Irish. Yes, yes. And it was, you know, it, it came in a way that I then I felt that the waking of the work was just pouring out of me because I had the information, I had the information, I had the the um the various people that helped me to build that narrative and we have a 93 year old that was part of my research and he's here in leeds you know alfred gardner which was phenomenal and so when you think about the whole package of people that it's actually impacted i wasn't short of research i wasn't sort of resources to be able to make this work happen and it had it, it got me to downing street three times to talk about the generation to talk about the challenges we had people queuing around the corner in London when we brought the show to London. It won us awards and I just think, my goodness, yeah. it was so timely. And yes, if you haven't seen it, it's it's definitely one that needs to be on a curriculum. It's definitely one that needs to be shared annually because I don't think that narrative is changing. And you know, we're hearing about the Windrush generation now that hasn't been, um, there's no kind of the recompense for what the situation is, hasn't changed. There are people still dying from from this treatment this behavior that is just unbelievable and it, you question whether it's real but it's happening so I'm, I'm i'm extremely proud of the moment but also the fact that it's a it's a legacy that actually the work will live for a long time which yes. is not a great thing to say when you think about the the narrative of the work um but yeah that work will live on for a very long time
0: that, that show needs to be on netflix and it needs to be a documentary about the whole creative process, your leadership of it, and, and just some of the conversations you had leading up to putting that show on. So I know people are really intrigued and want to know where they can watch it. I was fortunate enough to um, have a preview of it before it went public. Um, can you share where we can go and watch this v- um, show?
1: At the moment, it's exclusive to Marquee TV um i have a film which is unbelievable i'm just like oh my god i got a film it's exclusive to marquee tv for a year and once it comes off there then actually we're going to look at where it can be broadcast next um marquee tv is a is a platform and actually it's connecting to the american market right now which is a market we didn't get into when the show was live it's an american canadian market now for for uh, cultural art forms um you subscribe to it but once it's released from there, it will be available to us here in the UK again. And I'll consider which platform is, is most useful for it. But 70, in 2023, it's 75 years of Windrush. And I yeah. can imagine, I my dream is to restage it. And to restage it with that narrative, Zelda, with where we have the, the stories Great. before, the during and actually the after to extend the performance, to extend the storylines. Yeah. And to be able to put that on on a bigger stage because not enough people they keep saying we missed it we didn't get a chance to see it so to oh, have it yeah. running for a little bit longer yeah
0: so so that was a creative process but obviously a lot of creative people lose their part because commercially it doesn't it doesn't work they're not able to pulling the the grants or the funding or they're not able to just make it work commercially so Obviously, there's using your voice, but you can only use your voice and reach so far as you have the resources to get you to. So how did you find the funding to be able to um, put the show on the scale that you you did it on? You can do a lot for very little
1: money. (laughs) Not that I like to operate like that, but believe me, for a production of that scale of vision, um, I mean, we cut some corners in the sense that, you know, we did get some support, of course, the Arts Council was our, our main funders for that, Leeds 2023 stepped up and said that this is an important show, so we need to invest in that. Also, the fact that actually we had um, the Sainsbury Award was part of that, um, a PRS for music, so we, we really pushed the boat out. I think what was to sort of pull all of that together you know it would be a, an amazing show to do that again we would have to fundraise from from scratch to be able to make it happen which is not a big deal i think you know it's conversations like this where you put the word out if people are interested yes. you know that, of the show that could possibly happen if anyone's interested in investing then actually to make the ask or to contribute to some a small part of it because all of it adds together and makes a huge difference We won an award for the costume and design. So the Sainsbury's, the Lindbury Award was an award that we applied to and actually we won it um, and was able to give us the costume and the set that you'll see in the show. And then when we needed to film it, we approached an organization just outside of Wakefield called Production Park. Because by the time we needed to film it, all the theaters were full of pantomime or they were closed. And so we approached uh, Production Park and the team there were phenomenal. And um, they just said, Well, look, we can do it this way. Why don't we help you to make this happen? It's an important show. And I think that's the bit that captured them, that they yeah. understood the importance of why this needed to be captured um, and helped us to make that happen. So I'm eternally grateful for all of those contributions. And actually moving forward, you know, 2023, we'd have to, again, start that process again of fundraising to build on what we already have, not necessarily to start from scratch. But to be able to tell that narrative again and to put that on another platform is, up, is, is a crucial part of my my vision. And I hope, you know, there's enough people that believe in the the, the messaging behind it to say, actually, we'd love to be able to support you with this because it's a, it's just such a, a vital part of, of who we are and our and our history, the Black British history that contributes to British history is in that show.
0: Yes, it is, it is. And I'm so proud that I know the person who created it it gives me so much pleasure. That's one of the things I love about what I do. So somebody might be listening to this call thinking, oh my God, Sharon, is, a, she's a powerhouse. She's not like me. I don't have the skills or the tenacity or the creativity that she has. Um, to anyone listening and feeling that way, what do you have to tell them?
1: I think we're all born with doubt. We, as humans, we we kind of almost it's the default position generally. And I think it's um, okay. And, and you have to quest, ask yourself the questions that about not being able to achieve. And who's telling you that? Whose narrative are you listening to when, when somebody says you can't do this? Is it you? Or is it? are you actually being told factually that you can't achieve this? Because until you sometimes step out of that space, and it's also how you measure failure. Because I, I asked a question to this young lady last night about, well, what is failure? Mm. Not making some, not making something happen well i don't think that's failure and you know she gave me a list of these these things and actually not being able to have that conversation and i said none of that is failure that's just a moment in time where it didn't happen failure for me is something much bigger i mean if i wanted to do something and i did and my funding got withdrew i would say right okay then that means i've really kind of failed at being able to achieve but ultimately you're testing and i think the understanding of what mm. failure is for each of us has to be you know proportionally measured because it's not failure is not a bad thing no it's not a bad thing and if we understand how it failed we know that we can step forward and make change in another way and actually make success of what it is that we we didn't achieve in the first instance so let's get real about what and understand the measure of failure and put it in proportion because i don't genuinely believe that most people feel that they can step forward and embrace what's going to be different not what you necessarily set out for but what's going to be different
0: it's part of the process, isn't it? And I I love your response to that, Sharon, because I think we have this black and white view of the world. You're either winning or you're losing. And it isn't that, because every step gets you somewhere different. It might not necessarily be the end, but you're somewhere different. And we've all grown so much through the journey. And and, And what this pandemic has been making me reflect on, is that tenacity to keep going, to keep testing, to keep trying new things, even if the feedback you're getting mm-hmm. is not exactly what you set out to get at the start. And if we could embrace that more and, and teach our children to embrace them more.
1: Most definitely. And, and I think there's a there's there is an interesting balance of saying, okay, so if indeed you feel you failed, then what is it you take away from that? Um, or even let's do this together. There's something about taking that journey together that actually doesn't, you don't question failure then. And maybe that isolated feeling of you not achieving and not knowing when you've achieved or not knowing when you've made an impact is the thing that's difficult to recognize. But actually, you know, doing things together can sometimes just go, oh my goodness. Oh well, it takes half the time, half the thinking. You actually embrace new ideas and opportunities because you're sharing an idea or a possibility. So don't be afraid also to kind of bring someone else into the picture and yep. enable you, enable them to walk with you. And you may end up walking in two different directions. But ultimately, you know that there's some sustainability in the steps that you're making because you've started from a place of integrity, and hopefully yes. that can bring in and whether it comes back together again at the other end, who knows? But allow things to to to, to materialize in a way that you're not always orchestrating the outcome.
0: Yeah, let life surprise you. On that note, oh my God, Sarah, I could keep talking to you the whole day, you know that, and we have to bring you back because I've been shooting this on my mobile and I feel like I've been missing out. So I wanted the big screen to be seeing your face. So we have to do another show, please. Um, and i also like to ask you to um, join us at Forward Ladies and, and sign up to mentor someone because I think there's so few, it's not that like there are few inspirational women around but we are too busy doing the do because there's so much work to be done and and so people are feeling that well i i don't see anyone around us but i know there are people around us who are doing incredible work yeah and I- the opportunity to be able to share your work as well and to, and to be able to direct people to what you do and um, before we end this session i'd like you to recommend a book we always recommend a book i love books i think they are life-changing so recommend a book that you've read recently or that's really had a, a change on the way you think
1: i will do just before i give you my book i just want to say that with regards to the mentoring it'd be a pleasure i have an amazing mentor I really do, and uh, and thank God for her because I think uh, sometimes when I've got my head very very deep in, in in a situation, that that beam of light just makes a whole heap of difference. So yeah, I would recommend that very much. So, um, and with regards to the book, it's interesting because I I've got of course you you tend to read you're reading a whole heap of policies twenty four seven and different documents, but I mean I you know when when Michelle Obama's book came out. Um, I just couldn't believe what I was reading, you know, the inspiration. And I just thought this can't be a human. She just can't be. But she is phenomenal. Um, I I took it on holiday. I don't think my husband saw me for the week and it was I was immersed. And it was the connectivity of self within that book that made me go. Everybody has to read this and find and you, you can find so much in it. And you know, the impactful stories that I've read along the way, you know, the Terry Macmillan's and the Maya Angelou's. And at the moment, I'm currently reading, reading Queenie uh, by Candice Carty Williams. Um, it's a very modern story of now. Uh, and I'm only at the beginning of that, but I've been inspired by by a lot of, of, of my peers effectively. And, you know, Akala, um, in fact, somebody at the airport at Leeds and Bradford, not Leeds and Bradford, I think it's the London airport has got my Akala book signed as well. And I'm gutted, but- oh um, i they just didn't come through the scanner on the other side. I thought, wow, that was really cheeky of them. But um, <laughs> yeah, there's, and you know, various other books that I think are wonderful. But I think the Michelle Obama becoming was a, a moment in time for me. I think when yes. I was really feeling quite challenged myself, and just needed the the voice and to hear how others, another woman, was being challenged of a greater stature, of a real much more challenging and and diverse space and place. So. I, I, yeah, I was warmed by that very
0: much. So I got a signed copy of her book. She (laughs) said, I know, but it's incredible for me when I read her book, um, you know, I, I love reading. It's one of the habits that I'm so glad that I have. And I, and, and to hear you also say you make time to read, even though I know you're very busy and you have your family and your partner and all that. And when I read that book, i felt like for the first time i could hear somebody saying things about life the way i was experiencing it and thinking about it that that just sits really well you know it wasn't just an inspirational book about somebody else's life it was an inspirational book about somebody i could totally relate to she was and real that's so rare it's
1: the things that really made me and understand and connect was so much was the fact that actually you know very similar age really kind of similar values very very similar values yeah. you know i have two children and i hope that they are inspired by the things that young people are inspired by not even necessarily the things that have inspired me but the 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 quality of things around them how do i put them into spaces that make. Sh- that gives them that inspiration that they find their own voice, not, not mommy's voice or daddy's voice, but yeah. their own voice around the times and the challenges that they have. And to know that actually, again, the whole thing around perspective, and we talk about things not actually happening the way that you think and taking a chance. We, I, I often say to people, do you know how to really navigate your sixth sense? And they go, well, what is that? That sounds like a really far out thing. But that thing that says that, that gut feeling that you have, that Ooh. tells you when something's right i don't know you know we have different names for it emotional intelligence we have you know intellect whatever it is but we sometimes choose not to listen to that and i think i i felt there was a lot of that in michelle's story about her taking that that moment of saying i'm going to take this leap of faith and hopefully my wings will open
0: and i will land on my feet and honestly
1: i'm right there with
0: her <laughs> i know because it's beaten out of us, society just dilutes us and we allow it because we want to fit in. Whereas mm-hmm. the real power is in just embracing your unique self and, and finding a way to navigate this life as your un- unique self. So yeah, that book is, is a moment in time, like you said. Um, and I'm so grateful that in our time, and I say this, you know, I grew up in Ghana, and I grew up with Black people around me, so I have no issues with Black people being minority. I just think, wow, it's not. But in the society I live with now, in now and the way my kids are growing up, I'm just so glad that we have very visible, strong female leaders and male leaders like the Obamas. Because I I think we really underestimate the power it has on, on one's view of life and possibilities. and it, you don't know it's missing until you see it and once you've seen it you're like ah that's exactly what i've been missing so you know thank you so much for being you for the work that you do for opening my eyes to the arts you know i'm exploring that side myself now and 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 for the work you continue to do you know we need more women like you owning the space and changing the narrative and and putting our stories where it needs to be seen and and having you know using your leadership in the way that you do so thank you so much sharon yeah for everyone here i know people had to leave but some people are still with us thank you so much for staying with us through the interview it's going to be on youtube it's going to be on itunes and on spotify and sharon is on social media she's on linkedin she's on instagram she shows up every now and again when she's not doing her deep creative work So, please connect with her. I think sometimes it's important that people know that we we appreciate what they're doing. Um, So, make the time to do that as well. And if you're like me, you haven't explored theater and art, please do that because it certainly adds a different dimension to the way you see the world and the way you appreciate um, storytelling. And if you're not a member of Forward Ladies, I encourage you to head over to our website for and sign up we have free membership but we also have a premium membership which is the same price as a Netflix subscription on an amazon prime but this helps to really improve your life and improve your future as well so thank you all so much i wish